Let's open our Bibles to Jeremiah. There's really just three chapters to finish up this book, uh, but all the chapters are, are long, and I really want to get through the through them tonight, but we'll, we'll see just how far we get. So let's dive right in. Um, up to this point, just a little bit in background, 46 through 51 is a list of the judgment of the Gentile nations. Up to this point, all the way up to chapter 39, Jeremiah, for 30 years of his life, has been giving one message. Because Judah had turned to idolatry, uh, their sins were so grievous, they were offering their children, and the, the Lord said, enough, you're going to go into captivity for 70 years. And that was Jeremiah's message for 30 years. We like to say he's a weeping prophet with a brokenhearted message. Nobody wanted to hear it. People gladly heard the false prophets who said, don't listen to Jeremiah. Um, you're not going to go into captivity. None of that's going to happen at all. So they threw Jeremiah in prison, then a dungeon, and finally right into the miry pit. And, um, but in chapter 39, everything that he'd been saying for 30 years finally happened. And um, Nebuchadnezzar Babylon came down, destroyed Jerusalem, burned the temple. And on, on Sunday, I'll actually give you the numbers because he came three different times. And each time he took a certain amount of people back with him to Babylon. But... We didn't get to 50 and 51 um, because it's sort of separate. Uh, these are nine nations uh, we studied last week. They're Gentile nations all the way from Egypt to Moab to Ammon, um, Elam. And, uh, but Babylon is different. And the thing that strikes me uh, that's so unique about this study is the very instrument that God chose to use to discipline uh, the children of Israel in Jerusalem, he's now holding them accountable for the fact that they did it. And he's going to, it's basically, you reap what you sow, and we'll get to that, that verse. So let's dive in. Babylon's defeat. This is the last of nine. In the latter part of this book, 52, is going to be a detailed account of the fall itself. Uh, but 51 and 52 are unique in that uh, this is by far and away the longest chapters given to the destruction of Babylon. Mentioned some 268 times in the Bible. Chapter 50. The word that the Lord spoke against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare among the nations. Proclare and set up a standard. Proclaim and do not conceal it. Say Babylon is taken Bel is shamed, Merodach is broken in pieces, her idols are humiliated, her images are broken in pieces, for out of the north a nation comes up against her. Now here's the irony. That's what Jeremiah's message was for 30 years. The attack is going to come from the north. And north of Jerusalem was Babylon. But north of Babylon, we're going to find the Medo-Persian Empire, and it was the Medes and the Persians that are going to come and be the ones that finally um, fall. In case I forget somewhere during the study, um, the Assyrian Empire that was in power before the Babylonians, well, they fell in one night. One night was all over. When Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, 
attacked Jerusalem during Hezekiah's time and Isaiah's time. One angel took out 185,000 men in one evening and they had no more army. And he went back to Assyria and his sons killed him. Well, we're going to find that Babylon is also, here's a world empire that's going to fall in one night. But the uh, irony here in verse 3 is out of the north, and this, this would be the Medo-Persians, where Persia was, a nation comes up against her, which shall make her desolate, and no one shall dwell therein, and they shall move, they shall depart, both man and beast. Now when we get to verse 4 and 6, um, one of the things that I ask you to be conscious of, about when we go through the Old Testament is it will jump from present tense to future in one verse. And there's many places in the Bible this occurs. Here's one of them. And this now is Israel will survive. This prophecy looks forward to the last days when Israel will turn to God. God says he will judge Babylon and um, she'll be conquered by the Medo-Persians. But in verse four through six, in those days, and at that time, says the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, uh, with continual weeping they will come and seek the Lord their God. And they shall ask the way to Zion with their faces toward it, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. My people have been lost sheep, and their shepherds have led them astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. So here we see this jettison ahead into the future. And um, I mean, Babylon, uh, we'll get into this on Sunday, past, present, and future. This goes back to the very beginning, after the flood. Cush's son would have been um, the father or the grandfather of Nimrod, who would have been the first ruler uh, who built Babel. And uh, it was there the people's language was uh, confounded and they were scattered into the uttermost parts of the world. And that's a little, just a little teaser for where we're going on Sunday. And we're going to trace it, both the past, beginning with Nimrod, all the way up to this time under um, Nebuchadnezzar. And then into the future, we'll, we'll talk about Revelation 17 and 18. All right, verse seven. All who found them have devoured them, and their adversary says we have not offended because they have sinned against the Lord, the habitation of justice, the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Move from the midst of Babylon, go out of the land of the Chaldeans, and be like the rams before the flocks. For behold, I will rise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations. Notice it's plural because it's not just Persia, but it's the Medes and the Persians from the north country. And they shall array themselves against her, for they shall be captured. Their arrows shall be like those of an expert warrior. None shall return in vain. And uh, Chaldea shall become plunder. And all who plunder her shall be satisfied, says the Lord, because you were glad, because you rejoiced. You destroyed my inheritance. Now here's the irony. The Lord said that Nebuchadnezzar was his instrument. But um, because you destroyed my 
heritage, Judah, he's now holding them accountable for that because you've grown fat like a heifer, threshing grain, and you bellow like bulls. Your mother shall be deeply ashamed. She who bore you shall be ashamed. Behold, the least of the nations shall be a wilderness, a dry, and a desert. Now verse 13, because of the wrath of the Lord, she shall not be inhabited, but she shall be wholly desolate. Everyone who goes by Babylon will be horrified and hiss at her plague. Later we're gonna read where she won't be inhabited again. So I'm gonna put something on the screen right now. I'm gonna show you the ruins of what Babylon looks like today. If you go to Iraq, about 20 miles south of Iraq is the ruins of Babylon. It would have been right on uh, the Euphrates River. Much of the ruins of Babylon is at the bottom of the Euphrates River. And um, here's what it looks like today. Just as the Lord said, it'll be wholly desolate and not inhabited. Uh, Saddam Hussein, when um, before the desert storm took place, actually started rebuilding Babylon. And uh, you can go online, I was online today, and um, it shows just maybe this much of the original city and then what Saddam Hussein started building up on top of it. And uh, he didn't get too far. Um, on one of the tells, he builds this unbelievably huge, beautiful palace um, that was taken over by our guys during Desert Storm. And um, they, they made the main entrance um, a place where they could put up basketball hoops and the troops were playing basketball in Saddam's palace. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna leave that up for a little bit and because this is gonna be repetitive and it's making a point that um, the great history of, of Babylon in chapter 50, there really shouldn't be a break between 50 and 51. There's just a lot of verses that are gonna tell us the same thing. Verse 14. Uh, we'll make it 15 through 18. Put yourself in array, Babylon all around, all you who bend the bow. Shoot at her and spare no arrows, for she has sinned against the Lord. Shout against her all around. She has given her hand, her foundations have fallen, her walls are thrown down, for it is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance on her as she has done, so do to her. And here's um, the irony and the, and the wonder of our God that again, he chose and he told Jeremiah, just tell the people, don't fight. I'm gonna use Babylon to discipline you. And now he's telling them that they're gonna reap what they sowed in these verses right here because of what they've done. Take vengeance on her. As she has done, do so to her. Cut off the sower from Babylon and him who handles a sickle at harvest time. For fear of the oppressing sword, everyone shall turn to his own people and everyone shall flee to his own land. Israel's like a scattered sheep. The lions have uh, drawn him away for the king of Assyria devoured him. Now at last, this Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon has broken his bones. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, as I have plundered the king of Assyria. 
but I will bring back Israel to its habitation. Now the books of Ezra, Nehemiah, under Zerubbabel, record the return from Babylon back to um, Israel. And um, at first, not, not too many wanted to go. They, they came back slowly. Uh, he says, I will bring back, verse 18, even though, um, verse 19, but I'll bring back Israel to his habitation. He will feed on Carmel, that's Mount Carmel and Bashan. His soul shall be satisfied in Mount Ephraim and Gilead. In those days and at that time, says the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought, but there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, but they shall not be found. Why? For I'm going to pardon those whom I've preserved. He sinned. He disciplined. But once he's done with the discipline, he, he brings them back and he says, I'm going to pardon you, restore you, and put you back in your land. That's not what's going to happen to Babylon. Alexander the Great actually died in, in Babylon after conquering the known world. And it was his headquarters. Babylon was the place that Alexander the Great, age of 32, something like that, after conquering the whole world, sort of made Babylon his headquarters for, for a while. Picking up in verse 21, I'll stop at verse 28. Go up against the land of Maratham, against it, and against the inhabitants of Picad. Waste and utterly destroy them, says the Lord. And do according to all that I have commanded you. That's the sound of battle in the land and of great destruction. How the hammer of the whole earth has been cut apart and broken. Babylon was the one who destroyed the eight surrounding nations. And uh, last week we were talking about, so you want to go back to Egypt. That's what they were looking for, for protection. But Jeremiah told them while they were in Egypt, you, you guys picked a bad place to go because Nebuchadnezzar is going to come right here and what he did to Judah, he's going to do to the king of Egypt. So he took out all the surrounding nations around Judah. How Babylon now is going to become a desolation among the nations. I have laid a snare for you. You have indeed been trapped, O Babylon, and you were not aware. You have been found and also caught because you have contended against the Lord. The Lord has opened his armory. The Lord has brought out the weapons of his indignation. For this is the work of the Lord God of hosts in the land of the Chaldeans. Come against her from the farthest boundary. Open her storehouses and cast her up as heaps of ruins and destroy her utterly. Let nothing be left. Slay all her bulls. Let her um, go down to the slaughter. Woe to them, for their day has come, a time of their punishment, and the voice of those who flee and escape from the land of Babylon, declaring in Zion the vengeance of the Lord God, the vengeance of his temple. So the report of the destruction of Babylon is now being announced in Zion, that God is also according to verse 8, declare it um, in Zion, the vengeance of his temple. Call together the archers against Babylon, and all you who bend bow and camped against it all around. Let none of them escape. Uh, repay her according to her work, according to all she has done to her. 
for she has been proud against the Lord and against the Holy One of Israel. And I'm gonna show you in a minute, I'll take you to Daniel 5 and show you the arrogance of Nebuchadnezzar's grandson who was sitting on the throne and their arrogance against the Lord of Israel. And all her men of war shall be cut off in that day, says the Lord. Behold, I am against you. O you most proud, says the Lord God of hosts. Um, I suppose this would be a good place to do a little sidetrack. It talks about the arrogance and the pride. You're most proud, says the Lord God of hosts. And um, uh, how they sinned against him. Let's turn to, to Daniel. Just keep your spot there. We'll finish out this chapter, but go to Daniel chapter four. Babylon, I'll get into some of its unbelievable beauty and one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the hanging gardens of Babylon were in Babylon. And um, it was truly, truly a remarkable city and I'll show you that in just a bit but how they were defeated. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Let's just go to um, uh, Daniel 4, picking it up in verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar's just taking a, a stroll around the walls of Babylon. In verse 28 it says, this, this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. And the king spoke, said, Is this not the great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? And it says, While the words were still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and they're going to drive you from men. And you shall dwell with the beasts of the field. They will make you eat grass like oxen until seven times passes over you. Now that could be seven seasons. Today happens to be the last day of summer. Tomorrow happens to be the first day of fall. So some Bible teachers count this seven seasons of spring, uh, summer, fall, winter. Uh, Others say it's seven years. So we're really not quite sure how long, but... He stayed there until he came to his senses. His hair grew long. His fingernails grew grew like eagle's um, uh, claws. Uh, But at the end of time, he came to his senses. And if you read the last verse, verse 37, it says, And those who walk in pride, he is able to abase. Pride is the worst of all the sins. It is the sin that caused Lucifer, he was lifted up, declaring that he wanted to be like the Most High. He wasn't happy with his position. And it was the sin of pride that brought down Lucifer. Um, I'll say now that Babylon is the root of all occultism, all false doctrine, all false teaching. Nimrod was the first rebel who wanted to make a city after himself instead of worshiping the Lord. Um, After the flood, they decided that they were gonna build it their own way. They're gonna make make their own city. They were gonna make their own city into heaven. We'll touch more on that on Sunday. 
But Jeremiah says, the reason you guys are coming down is because of your pride. And Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, I did all this. Instead of saying that, that God had used him as an instrument. No, he's taking all the credit, my majesty, my glory, my power. I did it. I did it all. Well, my Bible says that the Lord raises up kings and he brings them down. Amen? And so sometimes you just, as a, as a nation, I think sometimes you just get what you deserve. And um, certainly that was the case as we studied the history of um, Judah, God's own people. He disciplined them. They got what they deserved. They got Nebuchadnezzar. Now Nebuchadnezzar is getting what he deserves. While the words were still in his mouth, the Lord says, that's it, buddy. You're history for the next seven years until you get this straight. I'm God, you're not. (laughs) And I made you king and I raised you up. You were my tool in my hand, not the other way around. You have nothing to do about this, so you can't glory. What does our Bible tells us? Those who glory, let them glory in the what? In the Lord. There's a reason we say praise the Lord. Um, We look at something that the Lord has done. And uh, we gotta be careful not to touch the glory. One of Chuck's big sayings. Don't touch the glory, don't touch the money, don't touch the women. Those are the three to watch out for. And um, here, he was touching the glory. All right, in chapter five, um, they were dwelling securely they have absolutely no fear, but yet they're going to, to fall. And as long as I have you here in, in chapter five, Belshazzar, now this would have been, they don't have in the Hebrew a word for grandfather, but Belshazzar would have been the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. And his father was out on campaign, and he's sort of, you know, um, and when your kids and the parents are gone, what do you do? You invite all your friends over for a party. <laughs> and dad was out of town, so what does he do? He has this huge party. And it says that, and this is where the Lord is disciplining them because they dishonored the God of heaven. It says that um, Belshazzar... Um, he tasted the wine that Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and the silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple. Now, father should be grandfather there. You'll see there's a little um, asterisk or whatever you want to call it. Taken from the temple that had been in Jerusalem that the king and his lords and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So it's just a big party. And they brought the gold vessel that had been taken from the temple of the house of God and the kings and the wives and the concubines, and they drank from them, they drank the wine, they praised the God of gold, silver, bronze, wood, iron, and stone, uh, worshiping everything but the Lord God. And that same hour, they were mocking the God of, of uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The same hour a man's finger had appeared on, wrote on the opposite side of the plaster, And the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosed and his knees knocked against each other. It's a phrase we have today. When your knees are knocking, this is where it comes from. And I'm not, the the part here about his loins being loosed, well, that's why you have adult pampers. (laughs) That's what's happening here in case you didn't catch it. He soiled himself. 
and they had nobody to, to could read, who would read it, but he said, anybody who can read it, he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. And this is how we know it's the grandson because his father would have been the second and he would have, he would have made whoever could read it the, the third. And of course, you know, Daniel comes in, he reads the writing of the wall. If you go to verse 25, it says, many, many, tekel, upharsin. That was what the hand writing on the wall was. And Daniel says, this is the interpretation of each word. Many, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it, your history. Just like Sennacherib died the same night he went home, so this guy's gonna die the same night. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So the very night that Babylon falls, God just arrives on the scene, just like he did with the Assyrians. He took one angel and he says, take care of the army. 185,000 of the Assyrians wiped out. Here he just takes his hand and he says, tonight Babylon comes down. Tonight you die. And we read, verse 30, that very night Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and the Medes and the Persian received the kingdom being 61 years old. Now I'm gonna come back and tell you how that all happened, but let's at least make it through 50 before we do. So let's go back to um, um, Jeremiah, chapter 50, and uh, we picked it up. Let's go... To verse 31 again, for your days have come, the time I will punish you. The most proud shall stumble and fall. That would have been the king I just mentioned. No one will rise up him. I will kindle a fire in the city, and it will devour all around him. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the children of Israel were oppressed, along with the children of Judah. And, and all who took them captive Uh, held them fast. They have refused to let them go. The Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is his name. And he will thoroughly plead their case that he may give rest to the land and disquiet the inhabitants of Babylon. A sword against the Chaldeans, says the Lord, against the inhabitants of Babylon and against her princes and her wise men. A sword is against the soothsayer and they will be their fools, a sword is against their mighty man, they will be dismayed, a sword is against their horses, against their chariots, and against the mixed peoples who are in the midst, and they will become like a woman, a sword is against her treasures, and they will be robbed, a drought against the waters, and they will be dried up, for as in the land of carved images, and they are insane with their idols. Now, Therefore, the wild beast shall dwell there with the jackals, and the ostrich shall dwell in it, and it shall be inhabited no more forever. So here we have the ruins that we still have on the scene. And um, even though um, Saddam tried to rebuild it, it was a big buzz at the time. I remember during the Gulf War, 91, I think, it was one of our best trips to Israel because nobody wanted to go. And we had the whole country to ourselves. And boy, could we bargain in the old city because nobody was there. It was like a ghost town. 
And um, so it says that verse 40 is going to be like God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring cities. So no one shall reside there, nor a set of men dwell in it. Well, question, did that happen or not? This was all future tense. And um, the Lord was saying, this is what's going to happen. And then that's exactly what happened. And we can go to the ruins of Baghdad today, but there's nobody there. Go 20 miles south of Baghdad. Behold, a, a people shall come from the north, and a great nation and many kings shall be raised up from the ends of the earth. Uh, they shall hold the bow and the lance. They are cruel and shall not show mercy. Their voice shall roll like the sea. Uh, they shall ride on horses, set in array like a man for battle against you, O daughter of Babylon. The king of Babylon has heard the report about them, and his hands grow feeble. Well, also, what do we know? His knees are knocking. His hands are feeble and his knees are knocking. Anguish has taken hold of him, pains of a woman in childbirth. He just lost it. Because imagine, you know, put yourself on the scene. You're there mocking the God of Israel, drinking out of the vessels from the temple, and out of nowhere comes his hand. And none of the soothsayers and the astrologers and the wise men of Babylon could say a word. Only Daniel. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the flooding of the Jordan against the inhabitants of the strong. But I will make them suddenly run away from her. And who is the chosen man that I may um, appoint over her? For who is like me? Who will arraign me? And who is that shepherd who will withstand me? Therefore, hear the counsel of the Lord as he has taken against Babylon and his purpose that he has purposed against the land of the Chaldeans. Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out. Surely he will make their habitation desolate with them. At the noise of the taking of Babylon, the earth trembles, and the cry is heard among the nations. The night that Babylon fell in these chapters, let me tell you how it took place. Um, the Mede would have been a guy, a general named Gabrius. And in these verses, note that the utter destruction is to follow, not some future overflow, but the lack of the cities resulting from the turning aside of the waters of the river, the river Euphrates. This general went upstream from Babylon towards Turkey. And the headwaters of the Euphrates and the Tigris all begin right there. And basically what he did, this general, was go upstream and divert the rivers of the Euphrates. At this time, I I need to give you a visual. I want to put a picture of the city of Babylon up on screen. So this is what it looks like. The city is divided right in half. And the Euphrates went right through the middle of it. Now I need to tell you just how fortified the city was because while we're having this party in Daniel chapter five, the army's outside the walls. But they're so secure, they think nothing of it. 
whatsoever. And this is why they felt so secure. This is how it happened. The walls of Babylon, they are, they're double wide. They have two separate walls. The inner wall is 21 feet thick. Just let that sit in for a second. 21 feet thick. And then every 60 feet, they were reinforced with towers. Now the outer wall that would been con- connected to the molt or the water channel that went all the way around the city. So the waters not only went through the middle of the city, there was also a, a moat that surrounded the entire city. And that outer wall was 11 feet thick. And then, of course, you had the watery moat. And But when they diverted the waters, well, the water kept going downstream, but they were able, the whole army was able to go underneath the walls of the city on both sides from the royal palace on on the top of the picture there and here. Um, They went in and that's very night when the hands appeared. He says, this is what's gonna happen. I'm taking you out and I'm gonna give it to the Medes and the Persians. The Persians were out when it happened. Now, I can't fathom this. I don't know how high the radio tower is right over here off of CE. But the walls of Jerusalem were 300 feet tall. Just let that sit in. 300 feet tall, 21 feet thick the inner wall, 11 feet thick the outer wall. And then they had towers that reached 420 feet. And um, again, what Nebuchadnezzar did was, you can go online and the marvels, he been, this was, would have been the zenith of Babylon. And he married um, um, a gal, and where she was from, there was rolling hills and water and all that. So he devised what's called the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, literally one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. We have no idea what it looks like because Babylon is so completely destroyed. But the historians, as it's passed down through history, said it was one of the the marvels of of the ancient days. And the water system that would go into place to water all the the terraces that evidently came down. All right. The Gabrius is the one who took the city. But 16 days later, Cyrus, let's go to, um, for this one, I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 44. Cyrus, on October 29th, 539 B.C., came riding in through the gates of Babylon. And now we have, long before um, Cyrus would actually have this read to him, the historians believe that when Cyrus rode in on October 29th, 539 B.C., that Daniel was standing there waiting to meet him. And he opened up to the book of Isaiah. Let's pick it up in chapter 44, verse 27. Who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers. Who has said of Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built. And to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. So here, 
God is talking to Cyrus through Isaiah even before the man is born. And now imagine him riding in the city on October 29th, 539 BC, and here's Daniel. And he's got a scroll of Isaiah. He says, come on over here, I wanna show you something. And let's pick it up in verse 45. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus. This would have been the Medes and the Persians, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors. This, this is a reference to the famous gates, walls of Babylon that have been moved from there and replaced and piece by piece put back together in a museum in Germany. And the Ishtar, yeah, the Ishtar gates, I believe they're called. Uh, so the gates will not be shut. I will go before you and make the crooked place straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut bars off of it. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by name, am the God of Israel for Jacob my servant's sake and Israel my elect. Catch this. I have even called you by name. Now that's the third time he said it. He said, Cyrus, you're gonna read this and I'm calling you by name. What I want you to do is to tell the people to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the foundation of the temple. I have named you though you have not known me. I am the Lord and there is no other, there is no God besides me. I will gird you though you may not know me that they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, there is no other. I form the light, I create darkness, I make peace, I create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Don't you think that blew Cyrus's mind totally off the block? <laughs> oh yeah. I can just see Daniel coming up and said, how would you like to read a book that's older than you are? And as you come in, you marvel that not a shot was fired, that the city was taken. What did you do to fight it? Nothing, you're riding in and Daniel's laying this all out before him. And everything that Cyrus, in seeing this, he does. And it's one of the great prophecies in the Bible. I wish we had more time to talk about it, but we have to go back to, go back to Jeremiah, see if we can crack out 51. There, to me, there should be no pause here. It should be a continuation right into, um, right into 51. All right, that says the Lord, behold, I will rise up against Babylon, and it goes who dwell in leb Kameh, a destroying wind, and I will send winnowers to Babylon who will winnow her and empty her land, for in the day of doom, they shall be against her all around, against all her archers who bend their bow and lift themselves up against her in his armor. Do not spare her, young men. Utterly destroy her army. Thus the slain shall fall in the land of the Chaldeans. And those thrust through in her streets, for Israel is not forsaken, nor Judah, by his God, the Lord of hosts. And though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel, flee from the midst of Babylon, and every one save his life. Do not be cut off in her iniquity, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. 
he shall recompense her. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand. Now this is interesting phrase because we're going to talk about just a little teaser for Sunday. This golden cup in the Lord's hand is going to be repeated. Look in your Bible. See the cross reference there? Revelation 17, 4. Mystery Babylon the Great, a woman sitting on the beast. And what does she have in her hand? A golden cup. And um, we'll, make, we'll connect those dots on Sunday. But it's, it's there uh, by design, by the Holy Spirit, where we'll connect the dots past, present, and future, just like we did with Petra. Past, present, and future. We'll do the same on Sunday with her. The nations drank her wine. Therefore, the nations are deranged. Babylon has sudden, suddenly fallen and bed destroyed. Well, we just read it. In one night. In one night, this great empire. Of all the world empires, uh, we'll touch them on, on, on Sunday. We find them in Daniel 2 and in Daniel chapter 7. It begins with Egypt, then the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Medo-Persians, then Alexander the Great and the Grecian Empire, and then the Roman Empire. And Daniel nails it. We look back on history, we say, is this history? Yeah, it's history. And we can name and look at these civilizations. We can say, here's a picture of the ruins. And um, the last world empire to rule was the Romans, but then we have prophesied in Daniel the revived Roman Empire. And it's gonna, there's going to be a one world government again. And my question is, do we see the deterioration of our own nation going faster than we could possibly imagine? And the stage being set for this to happen, not only politically, but as um, Roger Oakland pointed out so well, the road to Rome as a religion. Do we see that happening? We have to say yes. At least if, if you know your Bible and what it foretells. So Babylon, again, we need to do the homework, the chapter by chapter, the verse by verse, laboring in the word, getting all the ABCs down before we can really do a good Bible study on Revelation 17 and 18 and go back and study this whole history. It's interesting that the Lord would restore Israel and Jerusalem and make the talk of the town, the rebuilding of the temple on the Temple Mount, and at the same time, raising up another Babylon. And um, I can't give you too much there, and I can't get too sidetracked, or we'll never get through this. (laughs) So um, I left off in verse 5. Now we have to ask, Babylon has suddenly fallen and been destroyed. Well, did it or didn't? Answer, just like the Lord said, suddenly. Wail for her, take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she was not healed. Forsake her and let let us go everyone to his own country. For her judgment reaches to heaven and is lifted up in the skies. The Lord has revealed our righteousness. and Come, let us declare in Zion the work of the Lord our God. And Cyrus gave that order, just like the Lord told them. Make the arrows bright, gather the shields. The Lord has raised up the spirit of the kings of the Medes for his plan against Babylon to destroy it because it is the vengeance of the Lord, the vengeance of his temple. Yeah, 
they took the vessels, gold vessels, and had a party with them in Babylon. Just as it says here, the ventures of his temple. Set up the standard on the walls of Babylon. Make the guards strong. Set up the watchmen. Prepare the ambushes. For the Lord has both devised and done what he has spoken against the inhabitants of Babylon. O you who dwell by many waters, abundant in treasures, your end has come. The measure of your covetousness, the Lord of hosts has sworn by himself, surely I will fill you with men as with locusts, and they shall lift up a shout against you. He has made the earth by his power. He has established the word by his wisdom. He has stretched out the heaven. Again, we're finding that the universe is even being stretched out yet. It's continually expanding. When he utters his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens. He causes a vapor to ascend from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain. He brings the winds out of his treasuries. These are scriptures that are quoted in God of Wonders. These same verses right here. Everyone is dull-hearted without knowledge. Every metalsmith is put to shame by the carved image because he had many gods. And his molded image is falsehood. There's no breath in them. They're futile, a work of errors. In the time of their punishment, they shall perish. The portion of Jacob is not like them, for he is the maker of all things, and Israel is a tribe of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. You are my battle axe and weapons of war, for with you I will break the nations in pieces. With you I will destroy kingdoms. With you I will break in pieces horse and rider. With you I will break in pieces chariots and its rider. With you I will break in pieces man and woman. With you I will break in pieces old and young. With you I will break in pieces the young men and the maiden. With you I will also break in pieces the shepherd and the flock. With you I will break in pieces the farmer and his yoke of oxen. With you I will break in pieces governors and rulers. You think he's left anything out? I think he's pretty much covered it all. And I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea for all the evil they have done in Zion. In your sight, says the Lord, behold, I am against you, O destroying mountain, who destroys all the earth. Remember, it was Babylon that did all these other eight nations, from Egypt to Moab to Edom to Ammon. And I will stretch out my hand against you Roll you down from the rocks and make you a burnt mountain. They shall not take from you a stone for a corner, nor a stone up for a foundation. But you shall be desolate forever, says the Lord. Set up a banner in the land. Blow the trumpet among the nations. Prepare the kingdoms against her. Call the kingdoms against her. Ararat, Minie, uh, and Ashchaznaz. Appoint a marshal over her. Cause the horses to come up like the bristling locust. Prepare against her the nations with the kings of the Medes, its governor and all its rulers and all the land and his dominion. And the land will tremble in sorrow. For every purpose of the Lord shall be performed against Babylon to make the land of Babylon a desolation without inhabitants. The mighty men of Babylon have ceased fighting. They have remained in their strongholds. 
Uh, Their might has failed. They became like woman. They have burned her dwelling place. The bars of her gate are broken. One runner will run to meet another and one messenger to meet another to show the king of Babylon that his city is taken on all sides. The passages are blocked. The reeds have been burned with fire and the men of war are terrified. I can imagine. How did they get in here? You have the whole Persian army inside the gates. For thus says, while they're parting, for the Lord of hosts of Israel, the daughter of Babylon is like a threshing floor when it's time to thresh her. Yet a little while, and the time of the harvest will come. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has devoured me, has crushed me, he has made me an empty vessel, He has swallowed me up like a monster. He has filled his stomach with his delicacies. He has spit me out. Let the violence done to me and my flesh be upon Babylon. Now this would be a reference to the eight nations that Nebuchadnezzar had taken, including Judah and Egypt. The inhabitants of Zion will say, and my blood be upon the inhabitants of the Chaldea, Jerusalem will say, therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I plead your case and take vengeance for you. I will dry up her sea and make her spring dry. Babylon shall become a heap, a dwelling place for the jackal, an astonishment and a hissing without an inhabitant. And they shall roar together like lions. They will growl like lions' whelps. In their excitement, I will prepare their feast. I will make them drunk that they may rejoice and sleep a perpetual sleep. Gang, that's exactly what happened. The night that old Babylon came down, I will bring them down, like lambs to the slaughter, like lambs to the male goats. I mean, how many different ways can you say, Babylon, you're coming down? Jeremiah doesn't miss anything. I mean, he's covered every base possible to say this is gonna happen. And how Shishak is taken and how the praise of the whole earth is, is seized, how Babylon has become desolate among the nations. The sea has come up over Babylon. She is covered with the multitudes of its waves. Her cities are a desolation, a dry land, and a wilderness, a land where no one dwells, though which no son of men passes. I will punish Bel in Babylon, and I will bring out of his mouth what he has swallowed and a nation shall not stream to him any more. Yes, the wall of Babylon shall fall. My people go to the midst of her. Uh, Now this is a repeat, almost word for word, that in Revelation 17, that John is told by the angels to tell the people, my people, come out from among her. And that'll be on Sunday. And let everyone deliver himself from the fierce anger of the Lord, lest your heart faint and you fear the rumor that will be heard in the land. A rumor will come one year and after that in another year, a rumor will come and violence in the land, ruler against ruler. Therefore, behold, the days are coming that I will bring judgment on the carved images of Babylon. I was studying today and there were so many of them. Um in the hundreds of different gods and um, images that were in the walls of the city of Babylon. Her whole land will be ashamed and all her slain will fall in the midst. 
Then the heavens and the earth and all that in them shall sing joyously over Babylon, for the plunderers shall come to her from the north, says the Lord. And Babylon has caused the slain of Israel to fall. So at Babylon the slain of all the earth shall fall. You who have escaped the sword, get away, do not stand still. Remember the Lord afar off and let Jerusalem come to your mind. We are ashamed because we have heard reproach. Shame has covered our face. For strangers have come into the sanctuary of the Lord's house. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring judgment on her carved images, and throughout all her land the wounded shall groan. And though Babylon were to be mount up to heaven, and though she were to fortify the heights of her strength, yet from my plunders would come to her, says the Lord. And again, that's exactly what happened. The sound of a cry comes from Babylon. And great destruction from the land of the Chaldeans because the Lord is plundering Babylon and silencing her loud voice. Though her waves roar like great waters and the noise of the voice is uttered because the plunderer comes against her against Babylon and her mighty men are taken. Every one of their bows is broken for the Lord is a God of recompense and he will surely repay. And I will make drunk her princes and wise men, her governors and deputies and her mighty men. And they shall sleep a perpetual sleep and not awake, says the Lord, whose name is the Lord of hosts. The broad walls of Babylon shall be utterly broken. Inner wall, 21 feet thick. Outer wall, 11 feet thick. And um, that's why it's referred to here as, as the broad walls of Babylon, and her gates will be burned with fire. The people will labor in vain in the nations because of the fire, and they will be weary. And now Jeremiah sums it up. I mean, how many different ways can you say, Babylon, you're coming down? I mean, it amazes me that you can have this many verses saying the same thing, but he doesn't miss a beat. And now he sums it up. He says, the words which Jeremiah the prophet commanded Sarai, the son of Neriah, the son of Mahashai, when he went with Zedekiah, the king of Judah, to, to Babylon in the fourth year of his reign, and Sariah was the quartermaster. So, Jeremiah wrote a book. All the evil that would come upon Babylon. We just read it tonight. All these words that are written against Babylon. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And Jeremiah said to Sarariah, when you arrive in Babylon and see it and read all these words, then you will say, O Lord, you have spoken against this place to cut it off so that none shall remain in it, neither man nor beast, but it shall be desolate forever Now, it shall be when you have finished reading this book that you will, and and check this out, you shall tie a stone to it and I want you to throw it into the Euphrates River. So go into the town, read the letter, then tie it up with a stone and then when you take it, tie a stone to it and throw it into the Euphrates and then you will say, 
Thus Babylon shall sink and not rise from the catastrophe that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus are the words of Jeremiah. Wow. That was a, 50 and 51 are probably some of the longest chapters in the Bible. And um, I still have a voice. Amazing. <laughs> and everything that was foretold here is pretty much the end of the book. Jeremiah is saying this is the end of the book. The similarity between what we're going to read as we close tonight in chapter 52 is something that's already happened. This is what I would liken it to. When we're studying the book of Revelation, by the time you get to Revelation 16, the sixth bold judgment is the battle of Armageddon. The seventh and final judgment is the stones that fall from heaven, each weighing a talent apiece, 75 to 100 pounds. All right, that's it. (laughs) Over, the end of the tribulation, Revelation 16. But on Sunday, we're gonna go and read chapters 17 and 18, which actually precede chapter 16, and what it basically does is go back and gives us information of events that took place and warnings that took place, one being a religious warning that's gonna entail Rome, and Roman Catholicism in particular, and then one's economic, and it's gonna be detailed about two different Babylons, one a religious one, one an economic one. But um, it's actually going back in time and giving information. Now the reason I tell you that is we're, we're done with the book of, Revel, uh, of Jeremiah right now. These are the words of Jeremiah, and a book. But then we have chapter 52. What is it? Just like Revelation is coming, is coming back to chapter 39 is when it fell, to Nebuchadnezzar, but we have more information in chapter 52, more details that we don't read in chapter 39. So let's finish out the book and we'll have finished the book of Jeremiah. Now we're going back in time, this is detail. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamutel, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. He also did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that Jehoiakim had done. For because of the anger of the Lord, this happened in Jerusalem and Judah, till he finally cast him out from his presence. Then Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar. Now it came to pass, in the ninth year of his reign, in the tenth month, on the tenth day of the month, that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and his army came against Jerusalem, camped against it. They built a siege wall against it all around. So the city was besieged until the 11th year of King Zedekiah. By the fourth month, on the ninth day of the month, the famine had become so severe in the city that there was no food for the people in the land. Now, here comes the detail. The final days of Jerusalem The siege had taken its toll. No more food. Then the city wall was broken through, and the men of war fled and went out of the city by night by the way of the gate between the two walls that was in the king's chamber, even even though the Chaldeans 
were near the city all around, and they went out by the way of the plain. Now I want you to notice the date. It would have been the ninth of Av. And that's when the temple was burned, Solomon's temple. The ninth of Av is also when the Romans, the last world empire to rule, on the ninth of Av destroyed Herod's temple. As Jesus predicted in Luke 19, he says, because you didn't know the time of my coming. The time is going to come. Well, that was April 632 AD. 38 years later, Jesus said, because you did not know the time, your enemies are gonna come against you. They're gonna build a siege. And they're gonna destroy this temple and there won't be one stone left upon another because you didn't know the time of his coming. And so in the same way, coincidence, both temples were destroyed on exactly the same day? I don't think so. The ninth of Av. And um, so let's pick it up again. Uh, verse eight, he says, but the army of the Chaldeans pursued the king. He's, he's running down to Jericho. And they overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho. All his armies were scattered from him. So they took the king and brought him up to the king of Babylon in Riblah in the land of Hamah. And he pronounced judgment on him. And then the king of Babylon killed the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes. And he killed all the princes of Judah in Riblah. He also put out the eyes of Zedekiah, the king of Babylon, bound him in bronze fetters, took him to Babylon, and put him in prison till the day of his death. Now in the fifth month, on the tenth of the month, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard who served the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem. He burned the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem that is in the house of the great men he burned with fire. And the armies of the Chaldeans who were with the captain and the guards broke down the walls of Jerusalem all around. So this would have been evidently the ninth. Okay, then Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, carried away captive some of the poor people and the rest of the people who remained in the city, the defectors who had deserted to the king of Babylon and the rest of the craftsmen. But Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, left some of the poor of the land as vine dressers and farmers. Now, these bronze pillars that are mentioned here would really have been the two pillars that were the entrance to Solomon's temple. And they were highly decorated, their caps around the top, we'd call them maybe Corinthian columns. Um, they were made of bronze. And the cart of the bronze sea, um, where the house of the Lord, the Chaldeans broke in pieces, Solomon made this huge um, bronze, what's called the bronze of sea, where the offerings were. And they broke that down in pieces and carried away the bronze to Babylon. They also took away the pots, the shovels, the trimmers, the bulls, the spoons, the bronze utensils which the priests ministered, the basins, the fire pans, the bowls, the pots, the lampstands, the spoons, whatever was of solid gold and whatever was of solid silver, 
the captain of the guard took away. The two pillars, one sea, the 12 bronze bulls that actually held up the sea, and the carts which King Solomon had made for the house of the Lord, the bronze of all these articles was beyond measure. He couldn't even count the stuff up. Now concerning the pillars, the height of one pillar was 18 cubics, a measure line, and 12 cubics could measure its circumference, and a thickness was four fingers. How detailed God's word is when it talks about the looting of the temple. A capital of bronze, this would have been the top of the pillar on it, and the height of the one capital was five cubics with a network. Now this is just the the top of it, of this uh, very ornate piece, was seven and a half feet, just the, the top of the. And a second pillar with pomegranates were the same. There were 96 pomegranates on the side. And all the pomegranates all around on the network were 100. And to me, this just the lavishness uh, tells us that Solomon made silver like stone in Jerusalem. He made it so wealthy. And it ends up with uh, exile being taken, all this being taken back to Babylon. The captain of the guard took Sarai, the chief priest, Zephaniah, the second priest, and three doorkeepers. He also took out the city an officer who had charge of the men of war, seven men of the king's clothes, associates who were found in the city, the principal scribe of the army who mustered the people of the land, 60 men of the people of the land who were found in the midst of the city, and Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took these men and brought them to the king of Babylon and Riblah. And then the king of Babylon struck them and put them to death at Riblah in the land of Hamath. And thus Judah was carried away captive from its land. These are the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive in the, in the seventh year, 3,033 Jews. So detail. This would have been the final one. And it gives the number that were taken. But there were two actually before this. In the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, he carried away captive from Jerusalem 832 people. And in the 23rd year of Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard carried away captive of, of the Jews 745 people. All the persons were 4,600. So detail how many were taken in these three different sieges. He adds them up and there's 4,600. Now it came to pass in the 37th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah. Now he's been in Babylon. In the 12th month, and the 25th day of the month that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, lifted up the head of Jehoiachin. So he had Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and Zedekiah. These were the last three. But this guy, he's gonna show mercy on. He brought him out of his prison. He spoke kindly to him. He gave him a more prominent seat than those of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin changed from his prison garments. He ate bread regularly before the king all the days of his life. 
And as for his provisions, there was a regular ration given him by the king of Babylon, a portion for each day until the day of his death, all the days of his life. It sounds like a TV soap opera to me as we close up. So we have just completed the book of Jeremiah. And we did it right on time, right at my regular closing time. I can't believe we got through all these. I said, Lord, I can't get 52 too. Not verse by verse, but we did. So let's stand and close in a word of prayer. And I hope this, this will set the stage for us on Sunday for Revelation 17 and 18. Lord, you are so detailed. So many ways, Lord, you can say it so differently, but all saying the same thing that Babylon was coming down. And Lord, by your Holy Spirit, speaking through your prophet, Jeremiah, we see that it came to pass exactly as you said it would. And today, Babylon is, is in ruins. And yet, we're gonna read in Revelation on Sunday, an angel flying in heaven, saying Babylon has fallen, has fallen, has fallen. A reference to a yet future rebuilding of, not on this, this site, but another Babylon. And Lord, we thank you for the background as we need to do our homework here before we can connect the dots of what we have in the future that's yet to happen. And these events could easily happen, Lord, so much in our lifetime and literally within the next four or five years having half, half of the book of Revelation completed. Indeed, Lord, we're living in the times of the signs. And we thank you for where we are right now. We thank you for your word and for the book of Jeremiah. And so, Lord, we commit it to your people, those watching live stream, that they'll have a better knowledge of this weeping prophet with a broken-hearted message, but it was your word. And so we thank you for this book. Pray you give us a good rest as we go our way. And Lord, please bless Sunday morning as we take an in-depth look at Babylon in the future. In Jesus' name, amen.